0: I was uh, looking at, as you know, I keep a record of when I preached out of passages, and it all seems recent to me. Leslie was commenting how 2019, 19 years ago we had our Y2K party, which seemed like the future then. Yeah. That's 20, almost 20 years, but it seemed for some of us in the room. That was recent history, not your lifetime ago. So when I was looking at Psalm 103, which you can tell we're in, um, last time in it was 2001. So far back, my computer doesn't remember the sermon. Long before we had this church building, sometime in the wanderings. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word, and we're grateful for David. We'd ask that you would bless us in it, in your son's name. Amen. Psalm 103 is one of those passages, growing up in the church, you ended up memorizing the first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I don't know if you remember that verse. You know, it's sort of like, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all ye lands. That sort of um, parts of the psalms you were expected to memorize as a Baptist. Um, so it caught my eye when I was going by, you know, looking through the psalms, looking for something to speak on. And um, as I my I was caught by this familiarity, and then I read through the whole psalm and said, Okay, is there something here that is a benefit? Um, and I also realized what what is what is the season? What's the holiday? Is there a holiday or something? Well, no, New Year's happened this week. And, Resolutions and because as I read through the psalm, David is resolving certain things, but then I realized resolutions and resolves are seem to be different in our experience. Resolutions is with the full expectation that you will not be doing this past three weeks, you're trying to make it like a real resolve like real resoluteness. So all the same word here. Resolution is a fixedness of your of your solving. It's the same root as solve, you know, which means to loosen or something like that in Latin. Um, the idea that um, to solve something is to loosen the problem, to, to untie the knots, essentially. And The re is not to redo it, but to intensively do so. You really solve the problem. And David here, it's a psalm of David, he's resolved, he's resolute in some things. He's not making a resolution. I I was thinking of the phrase in debate, um, be it resolved that and you make a this is what is going to be the claim I want you to be thinking about you and your faith you and your God what's your relationship not to faith but to being resolute about what it is you know and claim what it is you know and feel and he says bless the Lord O my soul and it's not just for the sake of beauty of language that says and all that is within me Bless his holy name. Isn't that how you are theologically, or, or about your anthropology anyway? You've been in those discussions. Are you two-part or three-part? You know, is it body and spirit, or is it by soul and spirit? You, you have no idea what's inside you. When it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, might, mind in some passages, You kind of are, you know, you're supposed to be knowing yourself, you're supposed to be kind of clear about what's going on in that sack of skin that you're dragging around, and you don't even know the parts. But you could be the kind of resolute individual that says, my soul, bless the Lord, and frankly, anything that's inside me, all that is in me, blesses holy name. I don't care if it's the mind, I don't care if it's the spleen, it's it's everything I am inside the boundary of my skin, because your selfness. Now, this is where Evan spends too much time thinking in his library, and not enough time um, doing valuable things. But your self is the primarily the, the arena that your skin defines. Your skin is the outside edge of all that you can will. You can get more money and get more power, but generally speaking, you can I can make all the stuff inside this skin do all sorts of things. Look, it can dance. I can't make you dance. I can only convince you. To play some songs, try to get you to dance. But I can make my hands dance anytime I want. Because it's it's submitted to me. So you need to be completely. Aware of all that is inside your border of control, inside your boundaries. You know how much I hate the word boundaries because I don't like the way it's used. But if you use it this way, I'm fine. I have boundaries inside of which all that is inside of it is in submission to my God and blessing the name of God. And the reason you're going to be in that situation. The reason you want to say, well, because I won't forget his benefits. I think a lot of Christianity does not, they, they, we're kind of aware what Amazon will do for you, but not all that thoughtful of what Jesus Christ will do for you, or has done for you. And matter of fact, these are all claims of benefits that we let the world suggest to us that they're not Well, they're not really sure their benefits. Look at that list of verse 3 and 4. I just put it in red and bold. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. This is who I remember. This is who I do not forget. This is, this is, I am resolved to this. This is the God I claim. And then the doubts start to come on. First off, you know, man, what about all those promises? You know, ever study the promises in the scripture? People like to have little booklets of the promises. Gideon's Bible sometimes have the promises in front of it. And, uh, well, promises weren't kept. God didn't keep the promises. You sort of view Christian thought, Judeo-Christian thought, as kind of a pie-in-the-sky perfectionism that doesn't really exist. You, you, you really can't be that nice to people. You really can't be that free of anger. You can't be that at peace. And you look at these things, Oh, forgives, he forgives, he heals, he redeems. I have a cold, I'm not healed. I don't have a cold. You might have a cold. Who satisfies you with good? Good? Satisfies me? We sort of think that God is promising way too much that he hasn't really delivered to you. Now, I want you to stop for a minute and think about what perfectionism or uh, some perfectionistic claim would actually be. A perfectionist claim would be, if you're a Christian, you will never get sick. If you're a Christian, you will never sin. If you're a Christian, you will never die. That's. But all of these are presuming some calamitous broken state of the world, forgiveness, healing, redemption, crowning, satisfaction, some are just increases of goods, others are fixing what's bad. And believe me, God has the ability and the interest and the promise to fix everything that's bad. You know that's a part of your religion, that someday... The, the the graves will be opened. And Jesus Christ will judge every man according to that which he has done, whether it be good or evil. And they will get their just desserts. And if you deserve to be welcomed into the joy of your master, you will be welcomed into the joy of your master. And if all those people who treated you badly, who hurt your feelings... we actually are not looking at this as a... We're really exposing that we're not the kind of people who look for a way for the truth about God to be true, but we're looking for the truth about God claim to be one more arena of falsehood so that when I need to sin because I really feel like it, I'll have an excuse. You want to be saying, no, no, this is a perfectionism based in our sin. This is a perfectionism based in the futility of the system. That it's broken. That you need satisfaction. Crown because you need rule. Forgiveness because you were a sinner. Healing because you're sick. Redeemed from the pit because you were headed to the pit. Verse 6 The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. The Thidiot says, which is a word I invented today. The theodicy is the argument against God because of God's justice, the lack of it, etc., et So I figured you'd call it the Thidiot. The Thidiot says, th- that God, if God is good, why doesn't He vindicate and give justice? Why doesn't He fix things? Well, He says He does. God works vindication and justice. And the, the person says, "Why? I'm standing here with my hands on my pudgy, my pudgy hands on my hips, tapping my little foot, waiting for the Lord's vindication and justice. I just don't see it." You say. Now, look at vindication and justice. What do you deserve? I mean, you, not the person next to you, not Evan, not someone else, and not a Nazi, you. What do you deserve from the hand of a holy God? If vindication and justice, God got up this morning, it's a new year, 2019, he's looking around and saying, You know, I've heard a lot from the idiots about. How you know? I better do something. Better do something to show I'm in charge. Better do something to show I have a strong view about evil. I don't know if you uh, can imagine the little explosions going on all over the place, or heads exploding, people just disintegrating. It'd be a Thanos moment. I didn't see the movie, but I heard that it's everybody starts disintegrating. You, want, you want, want God to be all vindication and justice right now? Because you have done bad things to people. Remember, your sins are because you did not love others. You loved yourself, and you decided you were going to treat them as if your love for you was more important than your love for them and God. And God's got to come in, and he's going to do bad things to you. You want that? You want that now? Because when God discusses discusses his vindication and justice, look what he does. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And the Lord is merciful and gracious. The Lord is not just vindication and justice. He is merciful and gracious. You know why he's merciful and gracious? Because he has vindication and justice on the mind. You know, he's saving you from him. His mercy And his grace is not because the devil is chasing you, not because the predator, not because some alien bad force is wandering the world seeking whom it may devour. It is because his justice is coming for you. Now let's talk about whether you're happy with his inability or his unwillingness to judge the world and punish all the wicked. How come the people get away with doing this? Well, because God loved you and thinks you're an idiot and thinks you're kind of a charming idiot. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He, verses of red and in bold, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities, because you really, you idiots, don't, want that you'd like to blame God for being kind of like an indulgent parent you know oh I have this wrong. don't make me count it's always that kind of ruling in the mosaic law and then giving away grace and mercy and forgiveness and so you're a 13 year old girl the worst thing in all creation there's great wickedness and they are 13 and they are females and that's how they are. You've seen it on TV. You know what they're like. Boys just don't even come up to this. The boys are just animals. They're dogs. But there's a great wickedness. But that's what we become like. We become like, oh, a merciful God who looks the other way. Oh, he's just a little tired. She's just... She hasn't had enough rest. Well, you have to understand, they should have invited her to the party. Giving in all sorts of excuses for your awful child and not punishing adequately when punishment is called for so we think that's what our God is like but this is his measure of man, he says I'm about vindication and justice, like I mentioned to you that he forgives he heals, he redeems, you know why because you are sinful, sick and headed for hell. That's why he is. This is a view of God not uh, that, that tries to couple his vindication and justice together with his mercy and his grace. You're, not, you're, you're trying to say, when I think mercy, what is it the modern world thinks of today? If you love me, you'll agree with everything I want. You'll agree with all my viewpoints. No, I'll love you and think you're wrong as sin. I'll be nice to you because God made me nice, not God made you right. We don't have a way. We think mercy and grace is God saying, okay, you get to be right. No, he says, you were wrong. Vindication and justice is waiting. Because he knows he won't always charge, He knows he will not deal with us according to our sins. Does not give us exactly what our sins demand and need. Because he's patient with us. And he's loving to us, but he's not going to put it aside. Not going to put it aside. 13-year-old girl starts to misbehave at some class party. Mom and dad get involved. They say, well, we'll have to talk about this when we get home. It's not because vindication and justice shall not happen. They just won't happen in public to shame her. Hopefully, that 13-year-old girl will get knocked into the next county. But, not here. Not now. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Because God is waiting. The wonderful thing about God's vindication and justice, and his grace and his mercy, is the space between them is the space where people who are slow in the uptake Get to figure it out. How much time did you need to figure out Jesus Christ? You were setting up a storm, you know. I was eight when I became a Christian. And that wasn't early. That was late in my family. And I knew what I was doing, and I knew that I didn't want to. I don't know what your testimony is. Some of you have shared your testimonies. But one of the things you want to be grateful for Oh, you ever think of those people who are going to die that you wondered if they were Christians? You know, because their whole life is just kind of a train wreck. And But they really were. Jesus had wonderfully forgiven them. And they die and they go to heaven. There's probably a big neighborhood in heaven with those people. What are they doing? They're singing God's praises for his great mercy the mercy that that even waited long enough for them to just shallowly superficially but barely actually got into the kingdom his vindication and justice will be answered the right will be made right the guilty will be punished but in between now and then he is able to be merciful and loving and gracious because there are those who fear him. It says as far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us as a father pities his children so the Lord pities those who fear him. In between justice and mercy is your opportunity is there a word for an opportunity something? Opportunity there for fear. And what do we, the idiots, do? We make fun of our God. We say he is not adequate. He doesn't push people around enough. The ones I want pushed around. does not exercising your little draconian viewpoints about how people should be punished. Well, I don't like those kind of sinners. I kind of like my kind of sin. So be very, very merciful to my kind of sin. And let's make sure you, in a flame of fire, Take care of those I don't agree with. He's not like us. But think of what he's able to do. Because his power calls, called the world into existence. And his power is going to bring the world to an end. So when he reaches down into your life, that grace and mercy. I like these two images. High as the heavens is what? The steadfast love. As far away as east is from the West. Because the ancient world had two two viewpoints. One was distance and one was height. You couldn't imagine, you can't imagine how high the heavens can be. Because they keep going. You ever been in that discussion? What's outside the universe? You don't know. You have no idea. It's a long way. We're talking light years. East is from the west. Oh, I get it. You can't have the... What's it? East is east and west is west? The never the twine shall meet? They don't meet. They're great images of distance and height. His steadfast love and the removal height of the removal of uh, the height of the love. And the distance of the removal of the sin. That's what you have in between waiting for grace and the pouring out of God's justice. Because he pities those who fear him. That's what it's rooted in. Do I, do I walk up to this moment where I look at a God who forgives, heals, redeems, crowns, and satisfies and go, yes, what a blessed God that is. Or do I start getting sidiety, if that's a word. Sidiety is not a word yet either, so. If I start getting obnoxious about what I think God should be doing, I don't think God should be this way. I was telling my father the other day that I didn't think that atheists really were. They're not really atheists. They're not really agnostics. They're just antagonists to God they found out what God is claiming to be. They don't like it, so they're against him. So they'd rather say he's not fair than say he's there and he's like that. But this is what he's like. And if you start trying to undercut the living God, you're not one of those who fear him. That's That's the transition when I have fear of the Lord because he has put me in this situation and given me time to turn towards him. Verse 14. I set this out separately because it looks separate to me. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know, he knows what he's dealing with. It's not just, I'm a holy God, and I'm really big, and I made these creatures, and they should be holy and right to You're made out of dirt. You're made out of dirt. And as dirt, you're probably, what's the phrase? From dust to dust, from ashes to ashes. That's your trajectory, folks. You're gonna be worm food. He knows, and but God knows who there's He just said, my steadfast love is higher than the heavens and my forgiveness is further the east from the west and you're made out of dirt. And let's just put those things together and work with that. Describing man, verse 15, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Oh, how desperate. Um, I believe on the radio they advertised Garling House Memorial with a little song. I don't know if anybody could sing it. Um, talking about your gravestone that you couldn't buy. You're going to need to buy one to mark your tomb. The hole in the ground, the offering to the worms. You might get a lead-lined casket, hoping, dear heavens, hoping like the Egyptians, to preserve your greatness for a few minutes longer. But they're going to eat you. And you're going to want to carve something sensible, some great, have you worked on your epitaph? I've worked on mine. It's going to say something, you know, really charming. You'll want to visit it. But really, your middle name is uh, forgettable. Evan, forgettable Wilson, because I'll be dead. And that's what we are. We're like grass. God is not this. Because we're not just dealing with how high the love and how far the forgiveness, the separation from your sins. But verse 17 but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those, once again, who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Those who fear him, who keep his covenant, who keep his commandments. We're not just dealing with a high and wide or distant, we're dealing with an everlasting Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Do you stop and read what it says to you? Do you you realize this verse is about rule? When it says throne, it's not just your fanciful old-timey pictures of kings on a golden throne and you kind of like it because it's gold and it's got detail carved into it. Or do you believe it is power? Governance. His throne is in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. This is is the nature of our resolve. We are resolute on this God. This is is the God who fixes the broken things and will fix all broken things. We don't believe that at some point in time there will be stuff broken that isn't fixed. Someday. You say, well, why not now? Because you're not in charge. And because if you were in charge, you would bring the world to a screeching halt. Everyone would be judged, except you. And a lot of people would perish. But God isn't. But he will do this at the right time, giving you ample time to hear the fear of the Lord, to see the everlasting, to see the height, to see the distance. To see the love. And you ever in a situation when you were a teen and I had a lot of embarrassing I won't tell you all the stories, you would never respect me again, but I I embarrassed myself uh, frequently. Trying to fit in, trying to be cooler than I was. And my father had a ministry at the Naval Academy Midshipman. And then after that when we were in Ann Arbor to University of Michigan, people who were, you know, very, very hip. And I didn't think my father was very hip at all. You, know, you met Jim Wilson, you go, When did he buy that tie? It wasn't recently and his haircut and his I mean if it's Sunday he has to get into his jacket, his suit, his tie his black shoes, black socks because I'm going to church he has things that he learned in the 1930s that stick with him and when he were in Ann Arbor and it was hippie town US I mean it was Midwest San Francisco Ann Arbor was 1968, $5 fine for possession. You mailed it in. Drugs were flowing, rock and roll was being played, riots at the campus. And my father, with hair come back, tie on, with his bookstore ministry right down to like a block away from the Diag at the University of Michigan. I said, why can't my father be more cool? Relate to the youth. Then I started finding out that all these hippie youth wanted to come talk to my father. Wanted to, wanted to know what he had to say. I mean, we're talking extremes, not these pretenders, these high school hipsters that, that believe they have strong feelings. These are black radicals, the guy who started the 67 Detroit riots. All sorts of all sorts of people, people I thought were cool. Now you say, why am I going with this? Suddenly was aware that important people in my mind believed my father was cooler than me. Everyone knew Evan was pretentious, everyone knew that Jim Wilson was real. Wasn't the same real as they were, but he loved them, and I was just conscious of being recognized as having long hair. And I look good. I'm going to say that. I look good. And I thought of that because it says in verse 20, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, hearkening to the voice of his word. In your resolution, in your resolve, you have to recognize that this view of God is either one of blessing him, his angels bless him, things far bigger and better than you. People more knowledgeable than you. Like I was suddenly realized that real hippies, not fake hippie, real hippies, respected my father. Real angels who are better than you, for the moment, bless this God. They bless the Lord, O you his angels. Verse 21, bless the Lord, all his hosts, his armies of angels. Bless him. Do you realize what you're walking in the midst of? Because you have two options here. In recognizing what this claim is, God will be just and he will be merciful. And he's waiting for your fear for you to turn to him And he has pity on you because you're butt dirt. And he will be kind to you because his steadfast love is this big. But believe me, those who recognize what this is, bless him. Those who didn't, even angelics who didn't, are like Satan. Satan, as far as I could tell, was an angel who knew the Lord, knew this deal didn't like the mercy he was an accuser you, that's your choices you got you, you, you're either going to see this and you're going to act like, like these don't go together I can't make them work this is not good, a good religion look how inconsistent it is God doesn't save you out of bad times well all of, all of the powers in heaven are blessing his name and they're far, far greater than we are. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all his places, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I don't know if you know a like poetic structure, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. He starts out there, works his way around to everything in creation, every height, every width, every power every uh, duration, everlast. All government, the armies of heaven, the angels of heaven, all his works, in everywhere that he has dominion, and then it comes back down to you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You're part of that, and then there's everything within you. This is the resolve we have as Christians to believe it's what we're called upon to believe. Now as I was reading this, I had pulled last year's sermon notes up as a file, copied it, erased all the, after the first sermon of the year, and so I just make new sermons on the sermon notes. And the verse there on the bottom is Ephesians 3.14. I was going to look for my memorable verse out of the passage, and I looked back at Ephesians 3.14, and I said, no, I'm leaving this. I have my Bible open to that, Ephesians three fourteen, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. You understand how once you are resolute on this, same thing ought to be true for you. For this reason you will bow your knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what you just looked at in Psalm 103. That's what we have resolved to believe. We've blessed his name and not forgotten these benefits, and it's all in terms of height. And breadth and depth and power. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. You've been very good to us and to your church for many, many hundreds of years. We'd ask that we, with our short time, as we walk through our lives, would fear you, use this time between your judgment and our life. To remember your grace that you would forgive and forgive us help us preach that gospel in your son's name amen